Welcome to this special episode of The Weekly Briefing, all about AI's economic implications. This podcast is part of our project on artificial intelligence. Go to our special webpage, capitaleconomics.com forward slash AI, to see all our analysis and proprietary data on this technology's impact, and register there for our online and virtual events on AI to be held in the coming weeks. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Capital Economics Senior Advisor Vicky Redwood and from Ruth Gregory, our Deputy Chief UK Economist. They're co-authors of our report, AI Economies and Markets, How Artificial Intelligence Will Transform the Global Economy. Vicky and Ruth talk here about the size and scope of the productivity boom that we expect from AI's development and adoption and about the threat that the technology poses to labour markets, including why we don't think it's a jobs killer. This follows our last episode in which Paul Ashworth, our chief North America economist, made the case for AI to be considered a general purpose technology. Listen to that if you haven't yet. GPTs are economists speak for a technology which has widespread and lasting impact across economies. Think steam locomotives or electrification. My conversation with Vicky and Ruth starts with Vicky, who explains how GPTs increase productivity within an economy. Well, I think the key thing about general purpose technologies is that they have wide applications across many industries and sectors in the economy. And that's how they can be truly transformative technologies. And I think we are seeing that potential in AI. I think that also has a number of potential applications across the economy. And we are already seeing that in terms of the proliferation of AI job postings, for example, which we're seeing across a broad range of sectors. I think the other key point about general purpose technologies is that they can help to facilitate a wave of further innovations. Often there are a new method of, in, of invention. And I think, again, AI fits that bill because AI opens the door to taking over some of those lower level cognitive tasks and allowing scientists, et cetera, to focus on the higher level ones that can drive innovation. And also there's a potential for AI to keep improving itself and improve its own ability to to innovate. So I think for all those reasons, our AI does have the potential to be the next GPT. And when we talk GPTs, we're talking about things like railways, electrification, desktop computer. So these are technologies with economy-wide impacts, but initially they were concentrated in maybe a handful of sectors. What can you say about the timing in terms of how long it takes for the benefits of GPTs to be felt? Well, I think the lesson from the the big GPTs in the past is that it's actually been quite a lot of variety in terms of how long it's taken for these effects on the economy to come through, and in particular, how long it's taken for those productivity gains to show up. Now, in the earlier examples of steam and electricity, those gains were spread over actually a number of decades. And so you did have a big eventual cumulative boost to productivity, but the, the impact on productivity growth in any individual year was quite low, at maybe sort of 0.2.3 percentage points a year. Then you've got the ICT revolution where the gains were a lot more compressed. The technology got adopted a lot more quickly across economies. And so then you saw boost to annual productivity growth coming in much higher. And in the case of the US, which led the ICT revolution, it's estimated that the the productivity growth there was boosted by about one and a half percentage points a year for the course of a decade. Could you go a bit closer? Give us a sense exactly of, of how AI is leading to productivity gains within an economy. Well, there have already been a number of studies showing that in firms where AI has already been deployed, the impact on productivity has been pretty substantial. So there's a widely quoted study from earlier this year showing that in call centres where access to AI assistant had increased, that increased productivity of call centre agents by 14%. And you can you can imagine a number of sectors where 
that could be a significant boost to productivity. You know, imagine a lawyer, for example, you can now use AI to help draft contracts. And in theory, they could process far more contracts an hour than if it was just um, them writing them themselves. And certainly in the past, we've seen examples of, of general purpose technologies, both causing direct efficiency gains, but also helping in ways that you might not expect. So for example, when the steam engine was invented, then that allowed a whole reorganization of factories and where people sat because they didn't have to be all sat around the sort of the main steam engine anymore. Let's put some numbers on what we're expecting from AI's impact. Talk about our baseline forecast for how AI can affect productivity growth. Well, I think the main way we're going to see AI affect productivity growth is through what some economists rather geekily term multi-factor productivity. And that's basically the ability of the economy to combine labor and capital in order to produce output. And I think AI will just enable companies to do that more effectively, to organize working practices in a, in a more efficient way. And then you'll get those efficiency gains coming through. And if AI does boost innovation, then you get a permanent boost of productivity growth as well. So I think in terms of our numbers, we are factoring a fairly substantial pickup in productivity growth that mainly comes through in the 2030s because it will take time for firms to adapt to this technology and, and deploy it and get used to it. We think that productivity growth in those countries which are quite successful at using AI technology will get back to the rates that we were seeing at around the time of the ICT revolution. So in the US, for example, that means productivity growth of between two and two and a half percent. And that would be a substantial turnaround from the rather dismal rates, to be honest, that we've got used to over the last decade or two, you know, rates of one percent or even a bit below in in some countries. So a big productivity impact from AI. This could be the answer to those years of low productivity growth that have kept economists so busy, have had governments on the defensive. I'm conscious that we're putting forward this idea of AI as, as a game changer in terms of productivity growth, something that's going to be felt economy-wide, not just in a few sectors. But part of your report also makes clear that this is on the provision that everything goes right Talk through some of the barriers that you outline in the report. Talk through some of the, the downside risks to our expectation for AI's productivity boost. Yeah, well, our, our assumption that the productivity boost, boost will come through does hinge on firms taking out this technology, adapting to it. And obviously, there's a risk that that process is it's slower and weaker than we're assuming. I think there's, there's various barriers that firms have to get past, both internal and external. I mean, of those internal barriers, we're talking about things like the, the costs of deploying the technology, getting over any organizational inertia towards change, coping with any lack of internal expertise they've got. In terms of external barriers, in some countries, there may be just a lack of adequately skilled workers who can help with this transition. There may be some barriers in terms of whether there's a social acceptance of AI. Are people actually going to want by art generated by AI rather than by a real living artist. Yeah, so there's all these questions and uncertainties. Hopefully that mainly is just a question, it's just a question then of exactly what time frame these productivity gains come through over rather than, you know, will they come, come through at all? I suppose there is a, a bigger potential downside risk in terms of what if the the downsides, the sort of the negative effects on productivity and economic growth from AI are, are bigger than we expect. Because there will be some, you know, AI may, might make 
fraud and cyber attacks easier. It might mean the firms have to spend more money investing in things like cyber defenses, diverting resources away from from things that could otherwise have boosted productivity. It could AI could discourage innovation in some sectors if it speeds up imitation and and then reduces the returns to innovation. I think those effects will probably be small. We could start veering into science fiction here, but of course the, the more serious scenario is what if AI just goes bad. I think then sort of all bets are off in terms of what the um, adverse impact on the economy might be. But I think that you know, that's only going to happen if, if AI is, is sufficiently advanced and also if its objectives start to deviate significantly from from what humans want. And I think, as I say, then we're into the realms of science fiction. And I think that's something that we really serious, need to seriously factor into our economic forecasts. Ruth, let's bring you in here. Vicky's outlined this sizable productivity boost from AI but then we've seen the headlines talking about the the mass unemployment that AI is going to cause. Hard not to look at some specific roles in the modern economy and wonder what future have they got given advances in generative AI. So I have to ask, is AI coming for our jobs? Well, I think analysis of the impact of AI on the labour market, it does tend to start from the bottom up, looking at various jobs and where automation would be most likely, which workers could be replaced. And that in turn does create quite a lot of fodder for headline writers about job destruction. But I think these so-called displacement effects are just one way in which AI will affect labor demand. It's true that AI will mean that some jobs will be lost, but the focus on the exposure of jobs to automation, it does neglect the potential positive effects of AI. And perhaps the most straightforward way in which AI will boost labor demand is via the the creation of new AI-related jobs. So just as new job titles were created following the Industrial Revolution, such as engineers, conductors, and in the ICT boom, such as software and mobile app developers, so too could new AI-related jobs be created this time. That, That may include anything from developers and deployers with the technical skills Uh, required to develop and refine and maintain AI systems to reviewers of AI systems, for example, those who check for hallucinations or or model biases. And AI could have positive effects on labor demand. Many occupations are only partially rather than fully uh, exposed to AI. So in those cases, AI will be used to support rather than simply replace workers. So I think this suggests that for many workers, AI will not cause them to lose their jobs, but it will instead, it will instead change the nature of their work. And by making workers better at their jobs and freeing up time for more productive tasks, then AI could lead to uh, it could lead to a rise in demand for such workers. And perhaps that's most likely in areas where humans currently outperform AI. So perhaps in reasoning about new situations, or where there's a scarcity of data, or more complex human interactions. And there is another positive effect. We call it the bigger pie effect. And as AI boosts productivity, as Vicky's already spoken about, the resulting cost savings from AI are passed along to consumers in the form of lower prices, and that boosts real incomes and consumer demand. So this rise in aggregate demand will then translate into an increase in the demand for labor, and that could lead to jobs uh, being created actually in all all different types of sectors, but especially where it's harder to use AI and humans have a comparative advantage, such as health and social care services. So in other words, I think it's wrong to think of workers competing for a pool of jobs that's being constantly whittled away by AI and fears of, of, of mass technological unemployment essentially fall foul of the 
so-called lump of labor fallacy, which is the misconception that there's a fixed amount of work within an economy. I think AI will have both negative and positive effects on labor demand and and the net effect will depend on which of these these effects dominate. Is it the displacement effects or is it these creation, complementary and these bigger pie effects? Just to be clear, I mean, this isn't an overwhelmingly positive story we're telling, is it? I mean, there will be disruptions. You talk about, for example, the Industrial Revolution. If you think about the shift from predominantly agrarian societies to an industrialised one, there was widespread disruption within certain sectors. And that's something we talk about in our reports as well with regard to how governments should and and, and possibly will respond to that kind of disruption. Yes, that's right. That's not to say that there won't be substantial labour market dislocation. History tells us, as you say, that the process, it can fundamentally transform the nature of work and lead to painful and long-lasting consequences for those workers that are displaced. I guess to determine which effect is likely to dominate in practice, is it these job destruction effects or is it the creation effects? The most obvious place to look is the past. And the lesson throughout history is that while technological advances caused some workers to lose their jobs, the positive consequences for labor demand won out in the long run. Or in other words, these complementary effects on labor demand that I've spoken about outweighed those displacement effects. So we, we have seen those many dire predictions by economists over the ages about the impact of technological change on the labour market. They haven't come to pass. As, a, as an illustration, UK employment as a share of the total population, it, it's fluctuated since the mid-1800s, but there has been no evidence to suggest that technological progress has fundamentally damaged employment. Of course, we can only take so much reassurance from the experience of past technologies, given that the nature of AI is unprecedented and the difference with this technological wave is that a broader spectrum of jobs could be displaced and this displacement could be faster than ever before. So one consequence of that is that there may not be enough non-AI sectors to really fully absorb the labour that has been displaced. So I don't think we should be complacent about AI's effect on the labour market. But there are also, set against that, some reasons why AI might have a more positive effect on labour demand than perhaps previous technological waves. So AI may help to assist job seekers and support employers. So it may improve the matching of job seekers to job vacancies. And as you already mentioned, and more importantly, the long-term effect of AI on the labour market is not entirely predetermined and it will in part depend on what path policymakers take. So we're not blind to the possibility that AI may have a more negative impact on labour demand than past technological advances. Um, and in our report, we do discuss an alternative scenario where we're wrong and labour labor demand is permanently reduced. But I think as things stand, we see no strong reason to think that this time will be different. So we don't expect AI to lead to a, a permanent surge in, in technological unemployment. So a lot more nuance than the headlines suggest. I want to come back to one of the core views in our report, which is about this very sizable productivity boost in many economies as, as AI is developed and adopted. What does that mean for the economic outlook? I mean, all things being equal, wouldn't we assume that a productivity boost of the kind that we're talking about would mean higher growth and, and higher inflation down the road? I think if, even if we expect AI to boost productivity, not all of this will necessarily be picked up in the in the official GDP figures. Uh, the digital economy is, is notoriously hard to measure. In the past, attention has been focused on the, the difficulties of measuring the output of ICT goods and, and, and services. It's hard to measure quality improvements such as software updates, and that leads to 
real output and, and price deflators being underestimated. And it's hard to capture the output of those internet-based services, for example, Facebook, which are available free of charge to users. And I think these problems could become more acute with the development of AI, even if st statisticians are getting better at measuring uh, data. And I think that there's a question about whether the official statistics will manage to capture all of the gains from the deployment of AI throughout the economy. AI is more likely than past technologies to be deployed in the services sector and measurement problems are generally larger in the services sector. I think if AI simply helps companies to produce a greater quantity of their service with the same number of workers, then the consequent rise in output and productivity should be picked up fairly easily. But increases in the quality of, of a service are much harder to measure. So for, for example, bus passengers might have a more pleasant journey if the bus can be driven autonomously and the driver instead focuses on helping the passengers. And I think you know, many of the benefits from technological improvements may never get captured by GDP at all. Um, GDP was never designed to be an all-encompassing measure of welfare. Even in the past, it's, you know, it's failed to capture all the benefits from technological change, such as improved quality of life when electrification, shorted commutes and allowed people to move to the suburbs. So the, the use of AI might, I think, raise further questions about whether GDP is even uh, a relevant concept anymore in a world where new technology really delivers substantial utility without boosting measured output by by much. So potentially really fundamental questions being raised there about how economies work and, and how we measure economic activity. As you say, the report goes into a lot more detail on that. But while I've got you, I do want to ask one more question. One of the more interesting conclusions in the report is what AI will mean for individual economies. And we're going to be hearing about our global AI rankings in an upcoming episode of this podcast. But I want to take the opportunity to ask you with your UK economist hat on about the UK economy, because you and the team have written extensively about the UK's productivity issues, how they're linked to underinvestment by successive governments, how we're heading towards a general election without either party really articulating a coherent plan for fixing the problems. Given how well positioned the UK is in terms of its ranking in our AI economic impact index, is, is this technology the solution to the UK's productivity problems? Yeah, so our proprietary um, AI economic impact index, which ranks countries according to their ability to innovate, adopt and adapt to, the, to AI, does suggest that the US will lead the AI revolution. But as you say, the UK does sit quite high in the rankings, perhaps somewhere between the US and the Eurozone. And that does give us some encouragement that this will bring a gradual but striking end to the period of relatively low productivity growth, which in the 2000s average just 0.6 in 2010s, just 0.9%. And we think will materially increase productivity growth up to around 15 to 1.7% in the 2030s. That was Ruth Gregory and Vicky Redwood talking about how the coming AI productivity boom will take hold and what that means for labour markets. Their chapters of our Spotlight report, AI Economies and Markets, includes a lot more detail, including extensive forecasts for productivity growth, for jobs, for inflation. Again, find it all on our special AI page on our website. That's capitaleconomics.com forward slash AI. 
In our next special episode, we'll be talking about our AI economic impact index that Ruth was just referencing. That ranks the world's economies on their ability to develop, adopt, and adapt to AI. Listen to that. We'll have lots to say about the global AI race, including whether it's a US-dominated story. We'll be talking about the role of major EMs like India and China, and of course, that surprisingly strong showing for the UK. The Weekly Briefing, our weekly podcast all about the week ahead in the global economy, will be out as usual ahead of the European Open on Monday, so listen out for that. Find all our analysis on our website, capitaleconomics.com, and don't forget that CE Advanced clients get full access to everything we publish, and all our events, and all our proprietary data. Find details about our premium platform on site. Until next time, goodbye. Whilst this podcast is provided with all reasonable skill and care, it comprises the subjective views of our economists. Furthermore, these views are not opinions, nor do they constitute investment or financial advice, or are they guarantees or reassurances to the expected results of any investment products or outcome. You should seek your own specific advice in relation to questions you may have. We will have no liability to you in relation to this podcast whatsoever.